0: you ought to understand from the Scripture, from your copy of God's Word that many of you hold in your lap, that there is no gap between Christmas and Easter. If there had not been a baby born, there could not have been a Savior to die. And if there were not a Savior to die, you you and I would have no hope that when we stand before God, when we leave this life, that we will have an answer for him. But our answer now is, Lord, I have hope that you'll allow me to enter into your heaven because your son, Jesus Christ, took my sins in his body. When he died on the cross, he was dying for me. And I have put my faith and my trust in what he did on that cross and on the basis of what he did on that cross. And because the tomb is empty, I believe I stand before you forgiven. There there are some two two very important teachings that every, every Christian needs to hold warmly in our hearts about Easter, about Resurrection Sunday. One is this, because the tomb is empty, it's proof that you and I have been forgiven. Paul says that he was raised, Jesus was raised on account of, because of, our justification means that we had been made right with God as we put our faith and our trust in what Jesus did on the cross. When the Father raised him, when he was raised from the dead, it it means that what Jesus said from the cross, it is finished, really is true. The debt is paid. (laughs) The debt is paid. The debt is paid. Jesus Christ of Nazareth paid my debt before the Lord. He did, and he paid yours. All those who would put their faith and trust in what Jesus did on the cross are forgiven. And the fact that the tomb is empty, Jesus was raised to life again, is proof that the Father accepted the sacrifice. So that's one of those amazing things about Easter that we must never forget: that it means I'm forgiven, it means I'm free. It means that I don't have to fear the judgment of God, the wrath of God for my sins. I'm forgiven. I'm free. But here's the second thing it means. It means that Jesus Christ has been given the name that is above every other name. It is that at the name of Jesus, as Paul wrote, those who are in heaven, those who are on earth, those who are beneath the earth, in hell even itself, that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That Jesus Christ is Lord. And that's because, that's because he's been raised from the dead. Now all of that being said, I want to say this to you. I want to ask you this question. Do you wish things were better in your life? Do you wish things were better? I want to offer to you one prayer, and there was a corollary number two prayer that we could get to, and that may be next week because it probably won't happen today, but one prayer that can change everything one prayer that can change everything. And here's the prayer. Lord Jesus, save me. Lord Jesus, save me. His name means Savior. Jesus, that word, that name, those five letters, it means the rescuer. It means the one who delivers. Get this, it means the one who sets free. Lord, rescue me. Lord, Set me free. Lord, deliver me. Beyond that, the word Savior also means the one who can keep, the one who has the power to hold secure and not to be lost again. Lord, save me. Lord, rescue me. Lord, deliver me. here's, Here's where some Christians check out. Here's where some of you who've been in church a long time and and that's good. I'm not saying that's bad. But somehow we feel like that once we understand the truth about Jesus dying on the cross for my sins and that when I put my trust in him, that means I'm forgiven and I'll be taken to heaven when I die, that somehow that's all the saving, (laughs) that's all the rescuing, that's all the setting free that Jesus wants me to know that he has the power to do in my life. I don't know about you, but I think I can say to you as a, as a word of testimony, there are just lots of times when I need the Lord to rescue me, to set me free from some things. Now, that's all tied to the strength of his name. And I want you to go with me to the book of Acts, if you will, for just a, just a little bit this morning. And I want to show you or point out to you uh, one verse of scripture that the apostle Peter quotes, speaks, references out of Joel chapter two, when he's on the day of Pentecost preaching to all those people and 3,000 end up realizing that they needed Jesus in their hearts as their Savior and Lord, and they received him. This is one of the the statements that he made. This is Acts chapter 2, verse 21. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's repeated again by Paul, the same verse in Romans chapter 10, verse 13. And whoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The, the idea, the, the truth of it is that there are no limits on this. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't give anybody who is disqualified because they've been so bad they've been so stubborn, they've been so cold, they've been so rebellious, they've been so unbelieving, none of those categories are disqualifications for finding yourself, if you know you might be one of those, or any other category we could name, that I am that Lord, therefore this can't be talking about me. Here's what it says, whoever, whoever, That means you. That means me. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whatever it is that the saving needs to look like in your life, the rescuing, the setting free, setting free from the bondage of relationships, setting free from the bondage of attitudes, setting free delivered from habits. Pick your poison. Whatever it is that you know this morning, that you feel in your heart this day, that you are a prisoner to, that you are shackled to, that you're being broken by, that you're being ruled over by, that you have it in your life that you wish it wasn't there, whoever, whoever will call upon the name. The name, the name of the Lord shall be rescued, shall be saved. He doesn't say that it's going to be the first one. He doesn't say that it's going to be the 50th time. He doesn't say, give us a number and this is when it happens. But the idea is that something begins to go off in your heart. Something begins to go off within you. Lord, I don't want to live this way. I don't want to keep going this way. I don't want to have to keep facing this all the time. Lord Jesus, save me. You know, it ought to be that Christians, those who understand what it is to be to be, get this truth that he died on the cross for my sins and therefore I know that I'm forgiven and therefore I'm saved. I'm saved from the guilt of my sins. I'm saved from the penalty of my sins because of my faith in Jesus. It ought to be that we're the ones who have our mouths the widest open and are shouting to the world out there, listen, he is a savior. Not just because of what I know he did for the stuff I did in the past, but I'm telling you, between daylight and noon today, I've needed to have the Lord rescue me, rescue me from me, rescue me from settings and situations that were against me, that were, that were opposed to me, that were contrary to me. I know, I can tell you this. I can tell you I'm not perfect, but I can tell you this. He's a rescuer. He's a come througher He's a deliverer. He's a setter free, if that's even an English word not just because of something 40 years in the past or 10 years in the past or five years in the past or two days in the past, but I got a ready to read out litany of the ways in which the Lord has delivered me and is delivering me, is saving me. He's a Savior. But I want to... I want to just point out a few more spots about the authority of his name. It wouldn't wouldn't matter if that was said about him unless there was truth, unless there was evidence that could back up the claim, right? We make these great grandiose promises and pledges and declarations like certain politicians we may may know, they're gonna do this and do that and the other thing and then don't ever do it, you know? So what about Jesus? Is he just another politician. Well, let's let's ask the scripture that. Acts chapter 2, 21, Peter says, and it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then you skip over to verse 36, Acts chapter 2, Peter still speaking. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him, Jesus, both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. The emphasis of the proof on the fact that Jesus is now, he bears the title of Lord. That is evidenced by the fact that he's the only one ever to have been raised from the dead in this sense. Crucified, put to death for the sins of those whom he died for, but then raised from the dead. Raised from the dead. Raised from the dead. Therefore, he has the name Lord, Lord, ruler, the one with preeminence over everything that is. Folks, listen, if you don't don't believe that, if you don't say, I don't know that that name Jesus is, is all that important. I don't know that that's such a big deal. Here's the truth. The most profane name, even in America today, in many settings, is the name Jesus. You can call every other name. You can reference every other leader. You can reference every other teacher. But in our public schools, in many of our settings, don't dare mention the name Jesus. Why? Why? <laughs> because that's the name Darkness, understands, has all authority. It, that, that is evidence of the fact that he is the Lord. He is the one, as Paul would say, before whom every knee will one day bow. Every atheist will bow. Every demon will bow. Every skeptic will bow. Either voluntarily or just by the obvious measure of the truth. Every knee shall bow and confess Jesus is Lord. The devil himself, second most powerful being in the universe, will declare it's Jesus who is Lord. And on and on and on down the food chain, Jesus is Lord. Sometimes the way the enemy encourages us Sometimes the way the enemy just lets us know we're on the right track is by what he gets upset about that we're doing. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him, God made him, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. Now, after that sermon, all those folks, many of them, came to know the Lord. A few days later, Peter and John in Jerusalem are on their way up to the temple at the hour of prayer, regular hour of prayer, that they would go up and participate. Then it says that as they were going, the church records that there was a man lame from his mother's womb who was there positioned to beg alms, uh, gifts for the poor, because he couldn't make a living any other way. Peter and John had probably seen him many times, but on this day, something was different. On this day, they knew something that maybe they hadn't known before, that this was the day in which the name of Jesus the Christ would be used, in a sense, to set a man free. So let me read this. This is verse 4. Peter, along with John, Acts 3, verse 4, fixed his gaze upon the man, the the crippled man, lame man, and said, look at us. And he began to give them attention, expecting to receive something from them. But now watch what Peter says. Peter said, I don't possess silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene walk. Seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. And with a leap, he stood upright and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. I don't have two nickels to rub together. I don't have a hundred thousand CD in frost, but if what I do have, I'm giving to you in the name In the name, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Authority. The name is intended to be synonymous with the person. The name is a substitute, in in that sense, for the person. The name represents the authority of the person. But understand, this is is not the authority of the crucified Jesus. Jesus. This is not the authority of the Jesus who was beaten by the Romans and mocked by the rulers. This is the Jesus who with everything the devil could do to snuff his message out, with everything the critics would try to do to disprove who he was, this is the Jesus who broke all the shackles, who broke all the ropes, who broke all the tradition, who broke everything that could be broken that had been stacked upon him and he was raised to life Again, not dead, but alive. And upon him, the name Jesus had been given that ultimate name, King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is. So who, who is it that we're calling upon to save us? Lord Jesus, save me. Lord Jesus, rescue me. It's not a weak Jesus, it's not an obscure Jesus, not a limited Jesus, not someone who doesn't know how to fix things. Lord, Lord Jesus, save me. Now, I want to throw this in there. The Scripture will say that the natural man or someone who has never come to know the Lord is not able to fully ascertain, fully appreciate, fully understand the spiritual things that are the truths about who Jesus is and what he wants to do in lives and can do in lives. The natural man. Well, before any of us come to faith in Christ, that's what we are, natural people. So it's not ever going to be the case that someone who hasn't come yet to know the Lord in his saving power and his freeing power is necessarily going to know everything there is to know about Jesus or that faith is going to come real easy. Or, or being able to love God and want to please God, that all of that happens naturally. It doesn't. You know, one of the most exciting things, and over there, this is our 40th Easter, 40th Easter, Shirley and I, to be the, somebody's pastor. You know, started in Oklahoma, 1979, First Baptist Church, Hobart, Oklahoma, 40 years up until today, it's been all of those Easter's, all of those Easter's. One of the things that has been such a blessing over the years is that when there would be somebody, and it wouldn't matter if they were a drug addict, it wouldn't matter if it was a man chasing six women and left his wife and babies at home, or vice versa, women after men. It, it wouldn't matter if there, were, if there were abuses of various kinds that had dominated a life and had crippled the, out, the outlook and the sense of vision for the person. When whoever that would be over these 40 years, and that's just our little speck of time, Well, there'd be somebody who would just be able to say, Lord, I'm I'm tired of living this way. I don't want to keep going this way, but I don't even know if you're real. I don't even know, Jesus, if you exist. But I'm going to give you a shot. You say, well, how spiritual is that? It isn't spiritual, but it's real, and it's true, the human honesty. Lord, I don't even know if you're there, but if you're there, if you're real, If you can do it, I ask you to rescue me. I ask you to save me. I've lost track of how many men and women, and older and younger, and married and single, who, when they would honestly from their hearts begin to cry out, Lord Jesus, rescue me. Lord Jesus, set me free. Lord Jesus, Hold me, keep me. I'm afraid of falling. All of the things that it could be that can be working in our hearts. Lord, save me. Lord Jesus, use that name. If that's where you are today and you're needing His rescue, speak the name. Not just Lord in general or God in general or the man upstairs or whatever. Lord Jesus. Jesus is the name that has been given. So we go, read on. Let me, let me kind of keep going here a minute for just a little bit. And we're going to, we'll get out of here for dark. <laughs> I do not possess silver and gold, but what I give in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. A bunch of people start responding when they see what went on with the man that they all knew. They knew how crippled he was and how long he'd been in that condition. Peter responds in verse 12, Acts 3, but when Peter saw this, saw how they were responding, he replied to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or Why do you gaze at us? As if by our own power or piety, we had made him walk. He says some other things, but then he says, on the basis, verse 16, on the basis of faith in his name. It is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know, and the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all and on the basis of faith in his name. It is the name of Jesus which has strengthened you. I'm speaking to some, whether here in this room or out wherever our digital family goes and is connected on this morning. You you may be one who would you hear this. You're not necessarily a church person. You're not necessarily real religious. You would call it, but someone other. You're tuned in and you listen on this Easter Sunday, and here's the word coming to you, and I believe it's from the heart of the Lord, saying to you, if you want deliverance, if you want freedom, if you want there to be the shackles broken off of your life, cry out the name, Lord Jesus. Save me, Lord Jesus. You don't have to have perfect faith. You don't even have to believe that it will work. You don't even have to believe that he exists. But just what if, what if you are speaking, even even wrapped in the wrapper of unbelief and hesitation and maybe even skepticism, but what if you are speaking from a sincere heart that actually is evidencing Criticism as it does that, or cynicism as it does that, but it's the honest heart, and you happen to stumble upon the most powerful name in the universe, the single most amazing word, which is a name, which represents a person who is alive, who hears your cry and knows what you don't have and knows what you need and is able to because you called on his name even with hesitation, even with doubt, even with skepticism. You called his name. You got the attention of his heart. And he begins to do what he specializes in doing, and that's rescuing, and that's delivering, and that's setting free. But I want to just say this. I want to finish with this. What if you're a Christian? What if you're a child of God? You know in your knower that if you were to die today, you'd go to be with the Lord in heaven because you've taken him at his word. But how much of what you're doing, how much of what we find do we find ourselves doing? We think it's up to us to fight our way out. It's up to us like with Simon Peter when he got out of the boat at night in Matthew 14 and Jesus said, he said, Jesus, if that's you, let me come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come on. And Simon Peter gets out of the boat, takes four or five steps, begins to see what in the, in the pitch dark, begins to see what the wind and the waves are doing. And it says that he got afraid. And he began to sink. It's the same Greek verb that Peter uses in his crying out. Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Rescue me. It's the exact same word that Joel is referenced here when Peter speaks, when Paul speaks. Lord, rescue me. For the Christian, what if instead of us feeling like once we get saved, once we are forgiven, then the rest of it, we're just on our own. We're stuck with our same personality, you know. We're stuck with the same set of things, and somehow or another, we've just got to tough it out and make it happen. what if the Lord would be saying, I saved you, I rescued you from the guilt and shame of your sins. I don't want you just to know me back then and about that as your Savior. (laughs) I want you to know me every day you get up. And every day you look at that line up at work, or every day you look at that list of things you've got to do, to, where, where people little chihuahuas are all over the place. Sometimes it's a mountain lion trying to grab you. Sometimes it's a Godzilla in your face. Lord, rescue me. Lord, save me. All those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. He never intended that we only know him as the Savior from our sins, but have to fight the rest of our lives out on our own. No. Lord Jesus, save me. Save me. Instead of him being disappointed, well, you've been a Christian for 30 years, you, 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 you got baptized when you were six months old, well, you ought to know better than that now. If you, if Instead of him being upset, what if there's just a great sense of gratitude? Finally, finally, they're getting it. Finally, she's understanding. Finally, he understands. I want to always be. I want to day in and day out. No matter what the situation is, I want them to know me as their rescuer, as the one who can keep them free, as the one who can fill them with joy even though everything is trying to parasite life out of way. Lord Jesus, save me. Now, he won't change your shoe size. He won't change your eye color. But what if everything else on the inside? That what used to shame you before, because he is filling you with his approval, with his sense of love, with his mercy, that what used to shame you has lost its power. What if, because of the sense of His presence in your life, the ones who used to rule over you with their scowls, with their words, with the things that you can remember that they did, and when a name comes up or a situation comes up, you're there all over again? What, what if, in that place, we, we cry out, Lord, Jesus, Lord, Jesus. Rescue me. I want to run the way of your commandments, David would say, because you will enlarge my heart. You will enlarge my heart. You'll blow up my heart. You'll give my heart more lung capacity. You'll give my heart more of a desire to follow you. Lord Jesus, save me. Now, that's Easter. If we relegate Jesus just to a historical figure just as a footnote, something significant that happened in our lives maybe once upon a time or happened in other people's lives, and then we grovel our way through life, clawing it out on our own, fighting our way through, then what if even as those who have been born again have been saved. What if there is so much more that the Lord is warning us to ask him, to ask him? He doesn't force his way into these things. Simon Peter could have swam back to the boat, swam to the bank. But what did he say? Lord, save me. We can fight stuff out on our own. We can swim our way back to the bank. We can say, that was then, but this is now, and it's just up to me. We really, really can adopt this as a habit. It's the reflex. When stuff comes up, when pains or or potentials, whatever it would be, but but it causes us to be concerned or afraid or worried or mad, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. The one who has all authority, the one before whom the demons and the devil himself have to back away, the one before whom sickness of every kind had to cease and desist in the lives of people. Lord Jesus, rescue me in a marriage, in a relationship with close friends, good friends, children, grandchildren, relationships in Christ, outside of Christ, how the enemy works to try to stir things up and cloud things. and and Somehow we're left thinking that it's up to me to figure this out, sort this out, fight this through. The Easter message, the Easter message 2019, Alamo City, today. This one prayer that can in God's timing change everything. Lord, save me. Lord, rescue me. Lord, rescue me. Will you pray that prayer? Would you you begin to go that direction instead of laterally? To go vertical with it? Lord, rescue me. Marriages, marriages can be changed. Habits can be broken. Shackles from the past of what people have said, the power of their words, the power of life and death is in the tongue. But the Lord Jesus Christ has authority even over the power of words. Lord, save me. Let me hear what you think of me. Let me hear what your heart is for me. Amen? And remember, your faith doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to be so steady and unshaking and unmovable. You know, you might think, well, I'll try it. Preacher got up there and sweated and hollered at us on Easter and said, try it. So I'll try it just to, you know. That's good enough. The real Jesus is big enough to handle our hesitations. The real Jesus is not scared off. He he just wants our honesty. Lord, I don't know if you can do this for me. I know you can, but I don't know if you can do this for me. But Lord, would you save me? Would you set me free here? Would you rescue me there? Would you deliver me from this? So don't be be surprised if as you take that seriously and begin to pray that way, if there aren't some things that begin to change. Some of them may be easy to swallow. Some of them may be a shock to your system. But if we've lived forever in bondage, we may not even know what freedom looks like if it just kissed us on the nose. But where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Lord, rescue me. Now, I I know this is sort of an unusual Easter theme, and I don't know who this is for, but I would have been disobedient today if I hadn't stood up here and spent all this time trying to go over this with us. Somebody is supposed to hear this. For somebody, this is a word of freedom. This is a word of release. This is a word for the rest of your life. Knowing that the Lord cares enough about you to rescue you. Lord, do it. Lord, do it. Lord, do it. In the name of Jesus, we ask you to cause this to drop 18 inches out of our head and out of our hearing and out of our processing with understanding deep into our spirits, Lord. And that there will there'll be freedom for us to pray. It will be reflex. It will be quick. It will be easy. It will even become joyful. Lord, save me. Lord, rescue me. Lord, set me free and keep me free. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.